Well, morning, Bridge Church. It's an honor to be here. Um, I was here several weeks ago, and Pastor Josh asked me to come back. I said, let's do it again. I was like, all right, Josh, let's do it again. So my name is Daniel Montgomery, and uh, I've known Josh for a number of years. I've had the opportunity to come along, him, uh, come along his side and mentor and coach him and also watch what God's doing in this place, which is just something to never take for granted, church, okay? It's amazing to watch the grace of God bring life. And the very nature of the gospel is for the gospel to multiply. And so you see that gospel being declared here, and you see God's people being fruitful and multiplying that gospel. And it's spreading to your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your acquaintances. And it's just an honor to be here and mix it up with you today. We're in a series called Theology, where we're looking at three big theological ideas and seeking to make the connections with our lives. Um, Really, theology is just faith thinking. It's faith thinking and connecting and living. And so we think about our faith in relationship to who God is and what he's done and all that he promises to do, who we are as the people of God, as people who are new to the faith or exploring the faith, and where we are in our work, in our home, in our marriages, in our finances. And so theology is faith thinking, connecting, and then living, embodying those truths, pressing into those truths in our everyday lives with everyday intentionality. And so Pastor Josh kicked off the series with covenant, which is just a big term that means God is committed to us. Before we can ever talk about being committed to God, the foundation for that is God's covenant, his commitment to us. The old covenant was do these things written in stone, the law, do these things and you will live. And the problem wasn't with the law. The problem was we couldn't do these things. We failed again and again and again. that's why Paul says in Romans three, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen and failed to measure up to God's righteous and holy standard. Thus the new covenant, the new covenant is live Live in Christ and you will do these new things. And so we come and we place our faith and trust in Christ and he gives us new desires and a new inclination to trust him and to obey him and we do these things. It's about being in relationship with God. That's what covenant's about. And Pastor Chris last week unpacked propitiation, which is another really big word. I don't recommend you using that in everyday conversation. Now, some of you are like theology geeks, and so you're like, you're real excited this morning. You're like, I've been waiting for them to use these big words for a really long time. But these words, you, you ever been around people that like, um, like Lord of the Rings, and like they're like Gandalf and Hobbits, and, rah, 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 and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, or like IT people, you know, you IT people, you'll kind of nerd out, and I don't even know how to nerd out. But, well, that's what it's like when you use big terms and we don't explain them. All right, it's just kind of awkward and weird. And so I want to encourage you in your groups, in your relationships with another, always assume as if people who are new to the faith or far from the faith are around. And if we always speak as if people who are new to the faith or far from the faith are always around, don't be surprised if they're always around. If we're inclusive in our language and if we're careful with our language, it's a way to love one another. And that's what we're doing in this series. So we have covenant and we have propitiation, which is a big word that means Christ has died for us. That that God himself gives us himself in order to save us from himself. That is, before God ever is for us, he's against us and we are under his judgment. 
But Christ comes and he lives in our stead and he lives in our place and he dies the death we should have died and he lived the life we should have lived for us. And so now we can be in relationship with God, which brings us to this week, which is sanctification, which is taking these truths and living them in our everyday lives. Sanctification is a big word that means change. Say that with me, change. We all want change. You know, turn to someone and say, you can change. You can change. I mean, that's, that's the promise of the gospel is that you can change. And the gospel that saves us is the same gospel that changes us. That, that this change is an ongoing process of change that's promised by God and rooted in the gospel from the first day until the last, God brings change. Uh, marriage therapists say that one of the most toxic things that can happen in a marriage is the belief you will never change. And it's a toxic belief in marriages and it's a toxic belief when you're at work, you look at your boss or you know, your coworkers and they're never gonna change. It's a toxic thing that happens in churches. God intends for his people to change. I believe every church has billboards, all right? Every church has a billboard, not necessarily physically, but every church has billboards that they are communicating to the public, that they're communicating to their neighbors. You know, Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. They'll, they'll know your billboard by your love for one another, by the way you experience my good news. And so you have to ask yourself, what's the billboard bridge we want to communicate? Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. You ever seen that bumper sticker? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. So what do you do with a bunch of Christians who aren't perfect, just forgiven? Well, you don't expect change. Church just becomes a warehouse for sinners and you kind of move them along from the womb to the tomb. But we, but we don't expect change. What's your metaphor for the church? Is it a hospital for sinners? where we're in recovery, we're in rehab, we're learning how to be human again through faith in Christ? Is it, a, is it a school for eternal living where our enrollment has been paid for, our registration in full by the blood of Christ, and we can be with Christ under his teaching and become like him? You know, the billboard I believe that Lord wants to communicate through the bridge is you can change. Change is happening here. No matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you, you can experience change among God's people. And so this morning, I want us to look at one of the richest, densest passages on change in the scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. And we'll look at three dynamics of change, three dynamics of sanctification, remembering God's power, beholding God's promises, and practicing daily God's presence. And so let's pick up with the end in remembering God's power in 2 Peter verses 12 through 15. It serves as a key passage. I'm holding together the entire letter. And Peter essentially tells us three times that the essence of his ministry is to remind us and to cause us to remember all that God has done for us. Verse 12, Peter writes, so I will always remind you of these things. And in verse 13, we read, I think it's right to refresh your memory. And in verse 15, Peter declares, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Look, here's the deal. I've never known anyone to deal with physical amnesia, but 
I know all of us suffer from spiritual amnesia. We are so prone to forget that God is at work in our lives. We're so prone to forget what God has done in our lives. But the good news is we can remember. And the better news is God doesn't just like give us principles for remembering. God gives us himself. Jesus puts it plainly when he writes, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. God gives us himself to remind us that God is with us. He hasn't, he hasn't left us. He's with us right, near, right now, right here. You can have as much of God as you want. Peter and, and first Peter writes of the sanctifying work of the spirit. One of the chief works of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us by reminding us, by refreshing our memories of all that God has done, all that God is, and all God promises to be for us in Christ. Now you got to remember, Peter is writing this letter. And Peter is someone who perpetually forgot it was about God's power, had a shallow understanding of the story of Jesus and overestimated his own ability, which those aren't things we struggle with, right? I mean, we're deep people and we totally trust in God, not ourselves. Now, don't act like you've been a Christian your whole life, people. Now, we, we think we're all that. We, we think that we can do it on our own. And you're like, no, 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 I believe in God. No, like functionally, like how we, how we live. Do we believe change is possible through faith in Christ Jesus? Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So what Peter is saying here is he's saying that faith is a gift and faith is precious. And it was, it was precious to Peter because he perpetually failed. I mean, Peter was the one when Jesus said, okay, disciples, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. And, and what did Peter say? Uh-uh. <laughs> right? No, you're not. And what did Jesus say back to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that? Get, get behind me, Satan. See, Peter thought he could have glory and change without suffering. But God's path, God's pattern is always suffering than glory. You know, to diminish the cross is not just like a dumb idea or a foolish idea or a liberal idea. It's a satanic idea. That's why Paul says, I boast only in Christ and him crucified. Why? Because through the work of Christ and the cross, life is opened up to us. When Jesus said to Peter, look, they're going to come and get me and all of you are going to bail. What did Peter say? Oh, wait, they all might bail, but not me, Lord. I'll be by your side. And Jesus said, no, 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 Peter. Before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Three times. And just as Jesus promised. Now Peter bailed in his time of need and continually denied him. That's the Peter that's writing of a faith that's not of our achieving, that's not of our I'm all that, but it's all him and it's of our receiving. Look guys, faith is merely the instrument that reaches out it's the channel, it's the conduit by which we reach out and we trust ruthlessly in God's power. There's nothing meritorious in our faith. Some of you are like, I, that's what I need. I don't have faith. My faith is weak. Yeah, your faith is weak and so is your love and so is your hope. 
But praise be to God, it's not the strength of our faith, but it's the strength of our Savior. And God is always able to save from the first day until the last. You recognize when you first came to Christ, Lord, I can't do this. I need you to save me. Here's the good news. That's the truth every day of your life until you see him face to face. He is able to save. He is able to deliver. Look, if I, if I wanted to give you a check for a million dollars, what would you say? What would you have to do? Some of you are like, well, first off, what's a check? What's a check? There are these old school things, like there were cassettes, there were, these, there were CD, and there's checks, right? But if you, if you wanted to receive that check, what would you have to do? You just have to grab it. You just have to grab it. Would it be like, man, look, here, 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 I'm, I'm going to grab the check. I think I got what it takes, right? No, like a two-year-old, a one-year-old, a, a newborn could grip a check, right? He's able to save. That's, that's faith. And Peter writes in the next verse, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it's by faith, it's ruthlessly trusting in the presence and promise of God, his power, and it's, it's by grace, it's, it's, it's all a gift. It's all a gift. But you got to unwrap it. You got to unpack it daily. God, God's present with you. You can have as much of God as you want right now. And one of the things I love about Bridge Church in the code, you know, in, in, in what's written that this church values is we breathe grace. That's what the pastors of this church have declared. We breathe grace. And let me give you this. We never deny with our culture what we declare with our message. We never deny with our culture the way we do things what we declare with our message. It's all grace. As we inhale grace, we exhale grace towards people. Oh, that'll preach, right? I just preach your core values, right? It's about grace here. We breathe in grace. We exhale grace. One of the reasons that we fail to extend love is because we're not inhaling love. I know. One of the reasons it's so hard to love is because we have forgotten our first love. One of the reasons we put pressure on others, our children, our spouses, is because we are living under so much pressure. Look, the pressure's off. Every day is a, a clean break, a new beginning, a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. It's by grace. And there's a number of pictures of grace in the New Testament. Grace is a father running towards his rebellious son. Grace is receiving riches we never earned. Grace is a stranger being invited to a great celebration. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be multiplied among you. And what Paul's saying here, what Peter's saying here is it's not we get saved by grace, we get baptized, and then like holy high, high five from Jesus, go live for me. No. The same grace that saves us is the grace that meets us moment by moment in the Christian life. Amen. He's not like, go knock yourself out, you know, go get her done for me. No, he's, he's with us always to the very end. God didn't make us alive and then leave us on our own to survive. He made us alive. And look at verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We, right now, 
Right here, we have everything we need for life, eternal life, and for godliness. Not just for surviving and barely making it, but for, but for thriving in life, for living eternally now and here. The Jesus came that we would experience life, and, and life abundantly, now. I mean, if, if not now, when? And if not here, then where? Right? And you, right now, today, you can experience abundant life. Not like next year. Not like after you get that next promotion. Not after you finally get that vacation you've been longing for. Not after, you know, your spouse, like, gets his act together. No, right, right now, we have everything we need for life and for godliness. The Father has set us up, people. God's at play in your life. You have everything you need. I mean, what... What parent doesn't want to set up their children? And I've got four kids, 15, 13, 11. Now. I want, man, it's a preoccupation of my life. You know? I want to set them up physically, relationally, spirit. I mean, I want, I want them to go further than I've ever gone. I want what's best for them. Look, your, your father loves you and has set you up. Jesus puts it like this in Luke 11. If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Don't forget God's power. Lord, I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. It's one of my favorite prayers in the New Testament. Lord, I'm not not getting it. I'm, I'm slow. I'm like Peter. I'm pretty pathetic with this whole thing called faith. But praise be to God, it's not about me, it's about you. I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. I'm prone to forget, I'm prone to wander, I'm prone to dismiss what you've done and and to press into all that I am. Lord, help me. Help me remember your power. You know that the reality of being in relationship with God is the foundation to change. I mean, basically, that's what the whole process of change is about. It's remembering what, we already have and all that we are in Christ Jesus. And we're, we're in relationship with God. And the Christian life is a deeper and deeper apprehension of that reality. You know, speaking of my kids earlier, my, my oldest two got baptized this year. Yeah, it was awesome. And, um, and this time last year, my 13-year-old, Stella, she really started wrestling with doubts. Like right after she was like, hey, I want to go public with my faith. I want to be baptized. Um, we were meeting like weekly and like going through the scriptures for about 15 minutes um, each week and working through questions. And basically like week after week, she was just in tears. Like, daddy, I don't know what to do. Like, I know I'm, I know I'm going forward, but like I have all these doubts and, and my anxiety is actually increasing now that I'm a Christian. And I was like, well, welcome to the club, right? <laughs> you know, but it was, it was pretty weighty. And I was trying to encourage her and, and challenge her and comfort her. And on the third week, I can remember it really vividly, um, she was sharing these doubts with me and it just came to me. And I, I took off my ring and I was like, Stella, you know, what, you know what this ring signifies? It signifies a covenant that I've made with your mother and with God to chase her and pursue her. But here's the thing. I don't always feel in love with your mom. And she kind of, yeah. Huh? It, got, it got a little real, Okay. And that's the truth, you know? I'm not always like, feel like chasing my wife. 
But thanks be to God that the foundation for chasing my wife is not my feelings and not, not how like ready I am to man up that day, but that he manned up for me and that he is committed to me and he is committed to my, that's the foundation. I'm in a covenant relationship with God. Here's the deal. Your commitment to God is not the standard for change. It's God's commitment to you. Amen. You know, Amen. so the, one of the best things you can do, the hundreds of you that were baptized is just to remember your baptism. Oh, remember that. I mean, that's why it's so powerful. Remember, I've been buried with Christ and risen to new life in him. Just remember that truth. That's enough for today. That's the pattern of the Christian life, saying no to ungodliness. And yes, I can say yes to grace. I can say yes to obedience. Why? Because I've been buried with Christ and I've risen to new life in him. I am united with God through faith in Christ. It wasn't like I jumped into the water and did a backflip and it's like, woo, I'm being baptized. No, it's a humbling thing, isn't it? That's why some of you don't want to be baptized. You don't want to be humbled. It's a humbling thing to be buried with Christ and risen to new life in him. It's his work in our life, not us. It's about him. So we behold God's promise. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So remembering God's power and beholding God's promises, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we remember God's power, but we behold his promises. And by beholding his promises, we become the men and women we were created to become and restored to become in Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. Like before we come to know Christ, we're enslaved to sin. I've never been in a straitjacket, but I've seen people in straitjackets. You know, you ever seen the prisoners walk in the straitjacket? Sometimes they have their head chained down. That, that's what life is like apart from God and Christ. We're, we're stuck in sin. We're blinded to the promises and the power of God. And then God sets us free and we can behold his promises. You ever seen those just to mix metaphors, you ever seen those time lapses of like caterpillars becoming butterflies? Have you ever seen that, that transformation? So it's more than just the straight jacket being taken off. It's that we've actually been transformed by the grace of God. You know, you, you've been changed. You've been justified. You are now right in God's presence. You are not guilty and you belong in God's presence. You were dead in your sin and now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. Now here's the deal. You can keep on doing caterpillar-like things, right? You can keep doing the wormy thing and, and, and you've been habituated to live like this. And now we got to start living like this. And all of God's promises are before us. That's why Paul says all of God's promises, all of them are yes in Christ Jesus. So God's promise to forgive is always yes in Christ Jesus. God's promise to restore is yes in Christ Jesus. God's promise to build his church is yes in Christ Jesus. God's promise to provide for us is yes in Christ Jesus. All of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. But we must behold them. We must cling to them. We must ruthlessly trust daily in his promises. We are no longer cursed, but blessed with new life. We're not rejected. You might feel rejected, but you're chosen. We're not judged and condemned. 
we're redeemed and forgiven. We're not forgotten. We're remembered. We're not lost, but marked and sealed by the spirit. We're no longer the walking dead, but we've been made alive in Christ. You're not left over and ugly. You are made new in Christ Jesus. You belong. You've got what it takes in him. Why? Because he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Now look up and embrace the promises. Embrace the promises. Now what what happens is we reject the promises and we just keep grinding. And so we have to be disciplined in our life because through these promises, we escape the corruption in the world and actually participate in his divine nature. This is what I love about, about Christianity. It's, it's always about him. And, and the thing is, like, the challenge is we grow in the Christian life, but we actually become weaker. And I hate that. You know, I, I kind of wish, like, we grew in the Christian life, and it was like, we got, like, badges. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know? Like, but it's not. It's like, by increasing in faith, we recognize more and more that we're weak and we're wrong. You know, the, the paradox of Christianity is that you're only strong and right when you recognize you're weak and wrong. And so that's what Peter got. I mean, Jesus' final words to Peter and John, at least, were, Peter, there was a time you addressed yourself, but eventually someone else is going to dress you. Like, that's the picture, right? Like, you, you will learn to trust in me. And the more you grow in me, the more you'll participate and suffer, and the, the weaker you'll feel, but, but the stronger you'll become. That's the promise of faith in Christ Jesus. We become more and more like Jesus, both inwardly and outwardly. What was once and for all declared by grace through faith, our righteousness before God is now worked out by faith. And that's our sanctification. You know, there's not, there's not two tiers of Christianity. So we remember God's power, we behold his promise, and, and then we practice God's presence. And that's the normal Christian life. This isn't like advanced Christianity. Normal, regular Christianity is something that should be worked out. You work out what God has worked in. Now, you don't work out alone. You work it out with God. But that's like normal Christianity. And, and maybe you've heard like, um, there's Christians and then there's disciples. Are you a disciple? And everyone's like, well, what's that? You know? Or there's, have you been discipled? Or are you in discipleship? So let's make this really clear. Christianity equals discipleship. Christianity equals sanctification. Discipleship is the same thing as sanctification. It's just the process of change. A Christian is a disciple. A disciple is a Christian. If you're not a disciple, you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you're not a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who wants to be with Jesus in order to become like him. That's all a disciple is. Let's just make this very simple. A disciple is someone who wants to be with Jesus in order to become like him. Look, if you don't want to be like Jesus, you're probably not a Christian. Okay? If you're like, I don't really care. And that's, okay, that's the truth. Like some of you might be there. You're like, I don't care. Here, here is the gospel truth. If you don't care, you're probably not a Christian. Okay? Because God gives us a care. Like I care. And the reason I care is because he's given me a care. Like I desire him because he's put a new desire in my heart. And so like, if you don't desire him, you should ask yourself, am I like practicing the real thing? Like, is it Christianity or is it something Christianity so-called? A disciple is someone who wants to be with Jesus in order to become like him for this very reason, 
practicing God's presence. Verse five, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. So this might sound like he's saying you have everything you need, now make every effort. That's hard to wrap my mind. Is that like saying you have all the riches and you've been given everything you need, now go get rich. You see how it can kind of be confusing? It's more like he's saying, look, you have all the riches, now steward it. Hey, you're a Christian. I've given you new life. You're in him. Now own it. Own it. Like own your faith. Own your reality. I've been made alive. I want to live like I'm alive. I'm no longer rejected. I'm redeemed. I want to live like the redeemed. So add to your faith. Here's the reality, church. Many of us think we can ignore the law of reality or the law of consequences. You know, I can, I can lie and cheat and not get caught. You know, I can blow up on my coworkers or my family and fly out in rage and not damage relationships. I can spend and spend without getting into debt. I can have a sucky attitude at work and there not be consequences. I can avoid disciplining my children and they won't grow up spoiled. I can neglect the Bible, the church, and the gospel and, and still know God. You, you, you reap what you sow. And some would say, well, that sounds like law. No, that's, that's gospel. Like we can sow to the spirit of God. Look, the gospel is I can respond to God. I'm in relationship with God and I, I get to be with Jesus. Why? Not because of anything I've done. And so I want to arrange my life. This is what spiritual practices and disciplines are all about. They don't guarantee that you'll grow. Okay? And some of you are like, yeah, I tried that whole Bible reading thing. It didn't work. You know what that sounds like? Like, I tried that whole diet thing. It doesn't work. Okay? It's just kind of dumb. Okay? And I know, we all do dumb. But some of you are like, you know, I tried you know, meeting with other Christians, or I tried reading my Bible, I tried, look, no, we, reading the scriptures, growing in deep relationships with one another, confessing our sins, singing, um, being in community, those are just spiritual disciplines, praying, and it's the best place to put ourselves for optimal growth. Like, Lord, I I just want to put myself before you so that I can experience your power. Lord, I'm prone to forget, and so I I read the scriptures, and I'm crying out to you because I need to remind myself, and I need to be reminded, and I need to put myself before you so you can do your work in my life. For to this you've been called, because Jesus Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Those are the words of Peter, and this is what we need to remind ourselves. It's going to be painful. All right? It... Is it painful getting up and making time to get in God's word? Some of you are like, nope, nope, it's easy. No, don't look, don't, okay, can we talk here? Like, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice and, and make time, right? Everything great in life requires a sacrifice. Everything. You want a you great marriage? It's just not going to happen overnight. It's, it's going to be a sacrifice. You want great friendships? Sacrifice. Great wealth? Sacrifice. A great career? Sacrifice. Look, the greatest thing of all is knowing God. And there is a great sacrifice. And we follow in his steps, church. We face the pain. We own it. 
Lord, I don't don't want to ignore pain. I want to own my faith. I want to lean in. Some of you are like, no, it's only suffering if we go to China and get like shot. No, suffering is suffering. Pain is pain. If you are struggling with porn and you say no to porn and it's painful and yes to the grace of God, the gospel will advance more in this church. Some of you are like, that's not true. No one knows. No, but we know. Disobedience and obedience affects the whole body. So when you say yes, when no one knows but you and God that you're opening the scriptures, or no one knows but you and a friend that you're confessing sins, or no one knows but the person you're serving because you're serving them in secret, it affects the whole body. And the body continues to bear fruit and multiply and the gospel advance. And like Pastor Josh says, we get to experience the book of Acts, but we get to experience it afresh. The word of the Lord grew and multiplied. Lord, make us a people where your word grows in our life and it multiplies. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your promise of change. Lord, we thank you for Peter and his example. Um, It was pathetic and it was powerful. And that's where many of us find ourselves here this morning. Our faith is pretty pathetic, and yet at the same time, it's powerful. Help us to not have um, a, a vision that's beyond living right now, right here. Lord, we want to be a church where bridge happens, where your truth meets our life, where the real us encounters the real you and real change takes place. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory. Bring that change, Lord, so that people will know that we are your disciples by our love for one another, by the change that's happening here. Do it for our sake. Do it for the sake of those who haven't heard. Do it for the next generation. Do it so that not only this church, but churches would multiply, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for giving us your Holy Presence, your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said.